0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm
2: your huckleberry.
3: This is Dirt and Sprague. Why, Johnny Lingo.
1: Like somebody just walked over your grave.
3: With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague.
2: Fight's out with you, Holiday,
1: I'll beg to differ, sir. Uh, we started a game we never got to finish. Play for blood, remember?
3: Dirt and Sprague on 1080. I was just
1: fooling about. It. I wasn't. The Fan. All right,
4: welcome back in. Second hour, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080. The Fan. lot to get to here in hour number two. We've got TV news. We get big break in college football TV news. Yeah, how about that kind of under the radar yesterday? I'm fascinated by this. Um, not the deal itself. The deal is kind of what I expected. Uh huh. I'm fascinated by the reaction to the deal as if Pac-12, we know definitively, they're going to get more money now. <laughs> I want to talk about that because I'm kind of playing the other side of this. I don't know if that actually helped them or hurt them.
2: I don't know anything. Also, I, I, bragging about certain deals and get like it just—it's kind of funny. We're bragging about being significantly
4: <laughs> behind two conferences yeah. that are just dominating
2: right Way now. Way to go, Big Twelve! Hey, we might beat them by a million a year! Yay! Like, they did better than people thought with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. So I guess maybe that leaves you optimistic right. as a Pac-12 fan. But they're also expanding as a conference. They have more teams than you now. So we'll talk about that. Yep. Uh, Benjamin
4: Solak, I saw this from one of our listeners. Great stat here. Against the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo completed his first pass as a Niner of 30-plus air yards outside of the numbers. Okay. This was his 52nd 50, 50 game with the 49ers. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey completed his first pass as a 49er of 30-plus <laughs> air yards outside the numbers in his second game. <laughs>
2: They're another one of those teams, man. Every time I watch them sputter a little bit on offense, I just think, can you get them a quarterback? If Josh Allen was on the 49ers, you, they yes. would easily
4: win this. Nobody Bowl. would ever
2: stop them. It'd be impossible. Uh, let's kick off the second hour with the Oregon Ducks, your
4: Oregon Ducks, taking care of business this week, and they go down to Berkeley. I loved them covering this number, and uh, it was a little bit of a struggle early. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you kind of alluded to this on Friday's show. Come out a little, you know, it's early. It's an early-ish kick time, 1230. You know, come out a little sluggish, not playing the cleanest of football. Cal gets on top early, but Oregon quickly responds. Oregon doesn't look back. Oregon beats down Cal. Cal had to change quarterbacks in this one. (laughs) And they win going away, winning by 18 points. Uh, You know, I I saw a little noise from Duck Twitter on the show page Twitter account this weekend of, uh, this isn't great, or this
2: needs to be a little better. You won by eighteen points. How how are you feeling after taking care of Cal? I mean, I'm not. You might have been confident in them covering the spread. I was not confident at all. I, I mean, I know the Cal number was a four star lock at the end of the week. Um, and in the first quarter, most of the first half, you're thinking to yourself, "Yeah, this is kind of why I felt a little queasy about this spread." Not that I thought Oregon was going to lose the game. Uh, I not I didn't think that was in jeopardy, even when they started slow and even when they were making mistakes. It's an incredible spot to be, again, as a Duck fan, where you can trust the offense that even if there are moments where you're dropping a pass or you're committing penalties and you're not executing, that eventually you're going to wake up. Like, Oregon started incredibly slow in that game. Um, They threw a pick where it was a deflected pass from Troy Franklin. Hudson should have had that touchdown. And they still ended up scoring 42 points after not scoring in the first quarter. Like... This offense has the ability to just wake up, snap out of it, and start functioning at a high level, unlike teams of the last couple of years. The last couple of years, you'd get in one of these games, and your offense would start slow, and you would think, oh, God, it's going to be a long day, and you're going to need to rely on your defense. Um, Are there things that you can nitpick? Of course, there are. Oregon played far from a perfect game. But when you're coming off such an emotional win over UCLA, where you're the talk of college football, And then the next week, the response is you got to go down to Cal, where there was what four thousand people at that game. Probably a little more
4: than I thought there would be. To (laughs) their credit, but a lot of them were Duck fans. A lot of
2: Duck fans. A lot of empty swaths of stadium. It's a twelve thirty kick. I'm sure that like, think about the volume decibel level you just played in to now what you're going down to playing in. Like you got to bring your own energy. It's a different dynamic, and I wasn't surprised in the least that they started slow. And I think the sign of a good team is that you don't have to play your best, and you can still win a game by eighteen points. It's a good feeling to have that you f- you played maybe a C-plus, B-minus game on Saturday, and you covered a 17-point spread on the road in the conference.
4: I Swag made a good point because Swag missed this game, and he saw the score, and the Ducks were up. He's, I think he said 28-10 at one point. And I said, oh, yeah, and he goes, what, wh- why were why were their Duck fans complaining? And I said, well, I think you could see the score, and no, oh, look at them. They're just killing cow. Hey, it's a slow start, a bit of a slow, rusty start. You know, Oregon looked, as you mentioned uh, – you didn't have quite the same energy. It's UCLA at home. Otson's going crazy. They're playing our intro song. All right, here we go. You go down to Cal, and it's like, hey, it's a lot of Duck fans and some Cal fans who don't really care that much. Like, all right, here we go. Look, Bo Nix had two picks. One I, of them was a Hail Mary. One of them was a Hail Mary. The other one, say what you want. He tried to squeeze that into a tight window Franklin had the the ball. Yeah, you got to catch that. He just got hit and it jarred it loose and give the DB a lot of credit. So I didn't think Bo Nix really was that bad, even with just two picks. He threw for 400 yards, for God's sakes. Uh, The ground game predictably kind of got eaten up by Cal a little bit, but they still overall rushed for 174 yards. You know, your DBs early in the first half were giving up big chunk plays to Cal receivers. Mm -hmm. That was a little surprising. They locked that up in the second half. Again, Cal had to switch quarterbacks. There's no real... I don't think there's a real breakdown here for me. It's as simple as this. Swag saying, why is Duck fan complaining? And then he brings up a good point, and you just kind of alluded to it. There, there is some leniency to a team when you're coming off such an emotional big game, mm-hmm. the way Oregon was against UCLA. It doesn't excuse every aspect to be not clean, but it, it does say, hey, it's uh, a fly in my face. Oh. I thought you farted, um, <laughs> but it, it does like kind of explain like maybe why you had such a more a slow start, not scoring in the first quarter and getting yeah. off to the way you did. You responded beautifully. You didn't score anything in the first Oregon scores 21 in the second quarter. So yeah, yeah they woke up. You can nitpick if you want. I, I just, I have a hard time. You, you They won by 18. You've got Colorado, which is a, a second bye in the season for almost every Pac-12 team, except the team you just beat in California and then you gear up for the the bulk run of your schedule where you get Utah and you go to Corvallis at the last game of the season. So and you got Washington coming to your place. So mm-hmm. that, three tough games after this Colorado game of Utah, Washington and then Oregon State. So you did what you were supposed to do is basically what I'm trying to say. I don't really have a whole lot to nitpick with this
2: game. <laughs> no, there's nothing really to nitpick for me. I I I, I think we expect perfection every week as fans, which is unrealistic, and, and uh, you would probably be in a happier place mentally if you did not go there on Saturdays while your team is playing. Well, expectations rise every week, especially sure. for programs like this. You have one loss. You have responded
4: from that loss by winning seven straight games. Yeah. You can beat Utah. We know they're capable and they're at home. You get the Huskies at home. I mean, they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the, ski, the rest of the season. Absolutely. And then you go to Corvallis for your last game of the year. And by the way, the other side of that token, Oregon State's got their schedule in front of them. Maybe they can piece it together, get past their demons in Seattle. They've got a great chance to go into that last game not having lost a game in quite some time. So it's like it's kind of lining up for the in-state schools to meet each other at the tail end. But Oregon, when you get to these expectations and everything kind of changes and playoff stuff starts to be talked about, I just think fans naturally go to constant worry,
2: constant, (laughs)
4: Oh, this wasn't perfect, the running game, nobody rushed for 100 yards. It's okay. I I think you'll be okay.
2: You'll be all right. And the thing that I lean on is that they've shown you what they're capable of this year. And over this seven-game winning streak, they've shown you what they look like when when they're dialed in, when they're focused, and when they're playing their best football. And I think that was largely the UCLA game. UCLA is a much tougher opponent, obviously, than Cal is. Uh, and that game was 38-16 to 16 in the third quarter after a, a long touchdown drive yeah. on Oregon's first possession of the second half. And so I, that's why I don't nitpick a lot because I understand with college kids in a program that's still building and kind of learning their identity, you're not going to be perfect every single week. You're going to have these clunkers throughout the course of the season. I brought it up last week. Like you asked, why am I nervous sometimes at Duck games? I mean, I brought up the Missouri-Georgia game. Missouri probably should have beaten Georgia this year. And Georgia's, I think, the best team in college football. And I think they're going to win a national championship again this year. Uh, but they did, they probably should have lost that game. They were in a dogfight with Kent State. Like you just you can't explain this stuff sometimes, and I think that's why fans go in nervous. The biggest thing that I that I have taken away from eight weeks, and it is the most encouraging sign. And never in a million years that I honestly think that we would be here even a couple of months ago. The the trust factor and the belief that I have in this coaching staff is like through the roof. The, the stock could not be any higher. And there's little examples throughout the course of games and the last you know you can pick anything out of the last seven really. But just the way, like, at the end of the first half, that game is, what, 14 to 10, Oregon's got the lead. You get a pick with about two and a half minutes to go, three minutes to go in the first half. And everybody, I think, had the same idea. Like, this is perfect. Middle eight for Oregon, right? They're going to get the ball. They're going to run this clock down. Can you tell people,
4: by the way, this is becoming quite the thing in college football. The middle eight is becoming a big, big, like, stat thing in college football for those who don't know hey, I've seen this middle eight mentioned on Twitter all weekend. The middle eight, the middle eight. Lanning has highlighted this.
2: This is actually a huge area for Oregon. The middle eight, quote-unquote, in college football, dirt is what, for those who don't know. It's the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. And you want to outscore your opponents because you feel like you can swing the momentum of the game. And this is where Lanning has been very effective this year is that Oregon often defers to when they win the toss. And so they know they're getting the ball to start the second half and they try and time out the first half where they get the possession to end the first half, and then you could score a touchdown there, score a touchdown to come out uh, the locker room, two and scores. all of a sudden it's a yeah. 14-point swing. And it ended up happening in this game. I mean, that game was 14-10 to with two minutes to go in the first half. Oregon scores, they score coming out, and all of a sudden it's 28-10 and the game's yep. over because Cal can't throw their way back into that ball game. Yeah. But what I love, though, this is like just a, a little minute detail of it, and I have the numbers on the middle eight, by the way, but they get the ball with about two and a half, three minutes to go in the first half and my thought was they're going to run this clock down and score a touchdown as time expires. They've done that. They did it against UCLA last week. What does Oregon do? They come out and go five wide and go uber aggressive, and they tried to double down their two-for-one. They scored in like a minute, and they kicked the ball back to Cal with like a minute and 20 seconds left in the half, and all of a sudden Cal's saying, wait a minute, Oregon's got all their timeouts left. We can't just run this thing and punt it like we got to like try and score now. Yeah. And what did Cal do? They went. They ended up punting it back to Oregon, and Oregon had another shot. Which, by the way, shout out to Troy Franklin for faking that injury and smiling on his way up the field and killing the clock. God, a little that bit. was awesome. Little I, stuff like that
4: just cracks me. up. I out. almost texted you and said, "Oh God, no!" In the back, because Koda just got hurt. too. Cota got hurt. It's the turf monster. Oh no, here yeah. we go. And I almost text you, and I saw what you what you what you put on Twitter. I saw the little smile, and I'm like. That sly I was nervous,
2: and then he walked out the field, and he was laughing. And I'm like, okay, I think he's... That was just smart. He faked an injury to get a Hail Mary. Ironic he faked an injury against Cal. I know. Isn't isn't that that, ironic of
4: all the programs (laughs) to fake an injury against? It's the team that used to fake injuries against Oregon.
2: It was so good. Just little stuff like that, though, of like, we got the ball. There's two and a half minutes left in the first half. Let's go. Let's be aggressive. Let's take a shot. The numbers, by the way, quickly on the middle eight. Yeah. After seven games this year, uh, or eight, whatever it is. Eight. Uh, they they have outscored their opponents in the middle eight, 104 to 20. And most of those 20 have been against Georgia? Taking out the Georgia game, it is 101 to 6. That is dominance at and the end of a first
4: half and beginning of a second
2: half. When set in the last seven games, they have outscored. In those eight minutes of the game, 101 to 6. So you highlighted it there. I want to bring it back. Uh, we will got some important
4: station news to get to. We'll hear from Dan Lanning, and we'll get to the Beeves being in the top 25. Something that I don't like about it, and I'll tell you what that is. Dirt and Spray, back with more.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: All right, welcome back
4: in. Dirt and Spray with you on this Monday morning. Oregon beats Cal, takes care of business. They get ready for Colorado. The juggernaut, that is the Buffaloes. Shout out them for covering their number against Arizona State. Uh, important station news to pass along. I pass along in the first hour. I'll do it in the second hour. I'm sure Dirt will do it in the third. Uh, very important for us. So the fan text line is one of our favorite treasures here at the station. A lot of texts come in. A lot of texts come in and call me a moron. And nobody dumber in this state than Sprague. Dirt, you're an idiot. We get that a lot. Um, if you want to continue to text that in, starting tomorrow, we will have a new text line number. So the current one will go away. So if you use the same number tomorrow, it ain't going to work. We're not going to see it. Lock in the new number right now, 503-864-6326. That's (laughs) 503-864-6326. 503-864-6326. That's a good jingle. Put that in the promo swag. There you go. 503-864-6FAN. Six fan. I don't know why we have to say six fan as if that's easy to... The six fan Do people thing.
2: know that anymore? Like, is that a thing? What? I don't know. Do like, people... if I told you what number is
4: F? Well, I never knew that. I always had to look at my Yeah, I have no keys. clue. Yeah. yeah, I don't Six know.
2: fan? I'm like,
4: okay. I, I think you just memorize, <laughs> hey, it's fan. I got to spell fan, so what numbers do I use for fan? Three, two, six. So it's 503 uh, 864 Oregon and their defense... Um, you know, they, they played a pretty good game against Cal. Early gave it some big chunk plays through the air, but they largely locked down Cal's offense. Uh-huh. Uh, here was Dan Lanning talking about his defense.
3: We had some really good series early on, three and outs, three and out. You know, did much better on third down. Um, just hoping to continue to see growth there. Still some moments that we weren't, you know, weren't satisfied with at the end. Though.
4: He also talked about, uh, you know, sluggish start, get out. As we mentioned, UCLA was last week. You go down to Berkeley, noon kick. Crowd's not quite the same energy as Autzen. Here was Dan Lanning on his team's sluggish start.
3: Yeah, some good, some bad. You know, I still think the, the, the team that beat us today at times was, was Oregon and really want to go attack that. You know, something you can't accept. Look for opportunities to get better. Always going to be happy to, to walk away with a win. It's not easy to win in college football. But there's definitely some moments of growth for us there. We'd love to see us finish off games. So we're going to look and see how we can attack some things and make sure that we're getting better and not worrying too much about everything else.
4: So, Dirk, you mentioned we brought up the middle eight, and and I know for a lot of listeners that hung with us through the break, but for the ones that just turned on the radio, the middle eight is a new stat in college football. You gave us the numbers that Oregon has. Now, yeah, you can text in like, oh, you're really going to omit a game? Look, Oregon got beat down by Georgia. There's no other way around that. They lost by 46 on national TV. They were embarrassed, okay? They lost that game. They got blown Mm -hmm. out. We know the numbers from that game.
2: Ironically, the middle eight was a big part of the reason that game got out of hand. Because it was 21 nothing towards the end of the first half. And with two minutes left, Oregon had to settle for a field goal. And then they gave up a touchdown with like five seconds left in the first half.
4: But the middle eight is a relatively new stat in college football. It's the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third. So the dead middle of the, first, uh, the, the two halves. So mm-hmm. quite literally the middle eight. Give us the stat post Georgia. What Oregon is in the middle eight? How much they're
2: outscoring their opponents? I, hold on, I got to bring it back up. I liked the tweet that I saw uh, uh, in the last seven games. It's one hundred and one to six, one hundred and one to six, one hundred and one to six. That is absolute
4: dominating at the end of a first half and the beginning of a second half. And you said something in that last segment, and this is not me pounding my chest doing the "I told you so" thing at all. I I, I know how fandom works, right? You're nervous about Stanford. I tell you not to be. I go into Stanford. I'm nervous about Stanford. Mm -hmm. Your team plays a big game or a game that is of importance. You get nervous for it. I totally understand it. Part of the reason as an outside non-Duck fan that I look at this Oregon team differently. 17 at Cal with Mario. It's a lot of points. A lot of points. I don't know how I feel about that. 17 at Cal with Dan Lanning. Yeah, it's year one. The way that this team is coached, and you alluded to it, just there is already got to be buying and cachet for this coaching staff 100%. and how differently they make you feel going into these games. It's why I knew I, I took Oregon confidently. Now they barely covered, but I just like that offense is humming. Bo Nix is playing well, and Dan Lanning knows what he's doing in game. And the coaching staff is all the difference in terms of how you feel about this team who may or may
2: not finish with the same regular season record as last year's team. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It, it's so funny because a lot of college coaches where like, for Dan Lanning at Oregon, he's not running the offense. Kenny Dillingham's running the offense. Uh, Tosh Tosh Pois calling the defense. Yes, he now is. he's got a big hand in the game plan and all that. Like he he is a huge part of that the the game day operation and the prep operation. He's I'm also not that. helping with the linebackers too. Helping with the linebackers, he's doing a lot. But it's interesting when you're not calling one side of the ball, the main focal point that I think you have outside of identifying things to help your coordinators out, it is game management, clock management, you know, when to go for it, when to not go for it. Like those kind of decisions are really big for a head coach to make. And it feels like he's making the right decision over and over and over again. I know Oregon had a couple of times they didn't get it on fourth down. I still like the calls. The first one was there. I think it was uh, – they, they caught a little rollout for Bo Nix and looked like he had Franklin. He thought Franklin was going to sit down on that route. Franklin kept going. He threw it a little bit behind him. He just didn't execute. That's going to happen from time to time. But they're still making the right decisions. And this is – you know, we've had a couple of uh, – Clock, I don't know, coaching miscues, if you will, the last couple of weeks in the conference that we haven't really talked about much. Like, go back to the USC-Utah game. One thing we never talked about at the end of that game, as Utah was trying to score and then eventually take the lead with a two-point conversion, they were inside the five-yard line running the football, inside the 10-yard line. USC had all three timeouts left, and they didn't call a timeout. Yeah. And they allowed Utah to essentially just run the clock all the way down until there was, what they score with, 15 seconds left, 20 seconds left? and then USC basically has no time at the end of that game to try and do something. The same thing happened in the Washington State-Utah game on Thursday night at the end of the first half, Utah's got the ball inside the five-yard line. Washington State's sitting on timeouts and they're not calling them. They're just letting the clock run down instead of saying we're probably going to give up a score here. Wouldn't we want 45 seconds on the other side? See if maybe we could hit a play, get into field goal range. Like there's just little stuff like that that you're giving away opportunities. And I haven't seen that a lot from this staff. And I think when you have a new head coach for the first time in his career taking on this this challenge, that's the biggest unknown, right? Like, how are you going to do in clock management, game management? Do I go for it? Am I going to be aggressive? Like Those kind of decisions are not easy, and it's very easy, I think, for a lot of coaches to be conservative in those moments. And Dan Lanning has gone the exact opposite route. He's been aggressive. He's gone for it on fourth down. He's been perfect in clock management situations uh, for the most part. And for a first-year head coach, it's really impressive. Well, Vegas
5: doesn't seem to uh, be put off because their game against Cal opened at like twenty-three and a half. It's already up to 31.
4: You mean Colorado? Colorado. Colorado. What is it at, 31?
5: 31, 31 31-and-a-half at places. I I, I would take
4: the Ducks to cover that number as big as it is. The thing about that, and I'll get to this, we'll get to the top twenty-five rankings, my Biebs are back in, and I'll tell you why I'm not that excited about it. Um the the thing you're hitting on there though, the coaching things, this is why, despite the outcome, why I was frustrated after the Stanford Oregon State game. You're just kneeling on a two point try, you're not even trying for yeah. the two points to make it a field goal game in case Stanford gets something wonky and weird the way you just did right. to get the lead. Like those are little details. And I love that Jonathan came out and said, hey, I was wrong there. We should have actually ran a play. Those are little details that I pay attention to. And I'm glad you brought up the Utah-USC one. The Washington State one against Utah last th- uh, Thursday. Is it maybe as simple as to say maybe Dickert just has no confidence in the off? I think sometimes you just lose confidence in your group, and you probably shouldn't. But Washington State's offense ain't inspiring a whole lot where you go, hey, 45 seconds. We can get a quick score. What indicates that? Since the yeah. Oregon game, they have not been that team. And so I think some of some, some of this is confidence as a coach, and then others is what you're highlighting. It's just coach. It's coaching detail. Are you surprised, especially after that Georgia game, eight games in, how much you
2: trust your coaching staff? Yes. yes. Never in a million. I mean, that to me was the biggest thing I wanted to. I didn't think they were going to beat Georgia. Uh, I knew they were going to lose that game. Thought, hey, maybe you cover, maybe you keep it close. Obviously, didn't happen. Right. The only thing I wanted out of that game was to leave it saying, I, I feel pretty good about the staff. Like I feel good about the game plan. You don't have as much talent, but I feel good about where you're at. You
4: and liked what you saw offensively, and even they Georgia, they the ball. They just didn't execute when they needed to. I don't to. know how
2: many Florida ended up putting up, but I have seen it's like Mariner fans that are now doing it with the we played the Astros harder than everybody. Thing. Oh yeah, like Blazer fans <laughs> did with the Mavs back in the day. We played Dallas. They said we were the toughest series. I saw Duck fans last week on Twitter. Well, actually, nobody's topped our total yardage on Georgia all year. Three hundred thirty. We're, we're
4: bragging after we're a bragging. forty-six point loss, like but, how many <laughs> yards you put up on a
2: team? But after that, I mean, forty-nine to six, it's you don't know, or for, whatever, forty-nine to three, whatever. You don't yeah. know, really know how to feel. And right. to be eight weeks into the season, I don't really have any questions. It doesn't mean Oregon's going to win every game. No. It doesn't mean they're going to go, you know, blow but, everybody out like but I don't think coaching is going to be the reason that they lose, and that's a good comforting feeling to have. It's
4: just, if, it has to feel great to go into a game feeling like most of the time you probably have a coaching advantage.
2: Yeah, and ironically with Oregon, I've I've only been concerned about the non-big games. The most confident I've been all year was their UCLA game. I couldn't believe it. You, you went into Stanford, and <laughs> yeah. you
4: refused to take Oregon uh, covering, what was Stanford? I think uh, it was 16 and a half 17, 16 and a half half that. like that. Eh, point spread, like, no, can't do it. And then they take on UCLA, and you come out here, your chest puffed out, and you're like, they're going to murder the Bruins and I'm like what like I-, I was confident in the Bruins to cover that number and you weren't I just don't get you you're a really weird dude <laughs> and you. I don't know where you're built from this or what games hurt you but man they left a real scar on your heart I've, I've been hurt a lot in my life you're gonna probably take Colorado plus 31 aren't you
2: no I'm not that stupid I okay. that one is that's I mean it's a bye week all you have left are cocky sniffing games you realize that uh, yeah, I mean, they got Utah and Washington at home. I'm going to take them to cover that number. I don't, don't care what Beater they are. Beaver fans are feeling good, but I'm feeling good, too. Hell so. yeah, brother. Bring it on, baby. Uh, all right, uh, coming up
4: next, usually the Daily Ticker, but we don't have that. Let's get to uh, the top 25 ranking comes out, and Oregon State fan has something to celebrate. And while it is an important, monumental moment for them, I'm a little upset by it. I'll tell you why. Coming up next, and then the uh, big TV news and the Big 12. Dirt and Sprague on the fan.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: All right, welcome back in. 737 on a Monday. We had something happen for the first time since 2013, and it was pretty cool. I can't wait to hear what Poopy Pants has to say about this. The number 24 team in all of college football, not in the coaches poll, because those idiots don't know what they're doing. Uh, Where did Oregon State show up? They're 26th in the coaches poll. Uh, The Oregon State Beavers are ranked 24th in the AP poll. We'll find out tomorrow if they make the debut. Remember the college football playoffs, they go all the way to 25. Yes, they do. They do a top 25. That's coming tomorrow. And that will become the definitive ranking. The AP poll and coaches poll don't matter anymore. They go away at that point. So that was my only chuckle of this, of like, that would be really, that would be a bummer if they're ranked in the AP poll and then the college playoff poll comes out tomorrow and it's like they're not in there. It's, how do you feel about that? But the Beefs, first time since 2013, they didn't even have to play a game this weekend and they move up in the rankings. Uh, I don't believe they've ever been, have they ever been ranked in the top 25 of the college football playoff ranking? Uh, I don't believe so because 2014 20... was the first year and they have not been ranked since 2013. So right. I highly yeah. doubt that Touché. they were Touché. in
4: at any of those. Thank you for answering something I should have thought of in, in my own head. Um, yeah, this is great. This is, you know, you haven't done this in a long time. I, it's crazy to say that out loud, right? 2013, it feels like 2013 was yesterday to me.
2: It's been almost a decade.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, you're damn near close to 2023 at this point. It, it speaks a lot to what Jonathan's built up. I don't want to overlook any of this part before I'm a little bit of a bummer. Brandon here. Oh, What Jonathan took over and what he has built this program into is remarkable it's nothing short of amazing. And it's funny because I find myself in games the last couple of years that they lose or they blow. And like the Stanford game, Colorado last year, because Colorado wasn't good. Nope. Cal wasn't that great. Like I, I find myself in these games getting absolutely aggravated and pissed. And I, I calm down by reminding myself they won one game. <laughs> Gary Anderson's last year with Corey Hall filling in.
2: What was that, five, six years ago? Uh, This is year five for him. Year five, yeah.
4: So, yeah, they were a one-win program. They were that bad. They were at the basement, the bottom, as low as you can get for Oregon State football. And so you need to remind yourself of this. It's why I say, and Beaver fan gets upset when I say this, expectations be damned. I'm always, at the end of the day, probably just going to be okay and happy with them making a bowl game. If they're 6-6, and Yeah, I'm going to want more sometimes, but you made a bowl game, okay? You did what you were supposed to do as a middle-of-the-road, relatively bottom-tier type program if you're looking in the grand scheme. This is my only poopy pants thing. It took not playing to get in the top 25. (laughs) It took not winning a game. Mm Mm-hmm. Or losing a game or winning a game, playing in general to get in the top 25. You
2: were undefeated this weekend.
4: South Carolina, NC State, LSU, like, we're ranked Kentucky. By the way, Kentucky, all of these programs have two losses. Why are they elevated
2: above? Uh, Kentucky no longer. Kentucky is now out after they got oh. their absolute ass kicked oh. in at Tennessee. Who
4: had Kentucky beaten before that?
2: <laughs> Can you tell
4: me one of their five wins that they had won? Because I know they uh, lost Florida. to Ole Miss. They beat Florida. Florida's not good. Get that out of here. NC State looks not great. South Carolina is an absolute fraud. It's just an embarrassment that it took them to not play a game Uh to get into the top 25 as a two-loss program. They damn near beat USC. And now if they beat USC and they win that game, (laughs) I think we can agree they're in the top 20, right? Yeah. Okay. So they barely lose to USC. Uh Uh-huh. They so take now we credit close losses.
2: We're giving the close loss credit thing, don't
4: we? You told me last week that we play the how did you lose loss, right? That's how the dirty pole plays. Oh, I don't know about the. the po- no. I don't
2: know about the AP. That's how the dirty pole. Well, rolls. that's
4: what the pundits. I saw all the pundits this weekend. Oregon was beating Cal, and I saw all the pundits. They go to they go to Booger. They go to Booger. Dario tees up Booger for Oregon in the playoff, and he goes, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't get week one out of my head. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, all right, they, they, they might rattle off 11 straight wins, no team in the country outside of maybe Georgia will have a longer winning streak in the entire country than Oregon. But, okay, hold them to week one. So, yes, people do look at the way you win and lose games. That's a real thing. And so, yeah, I'm going to hold that out here and say, well, if you, if you stop on fourth and seven, you beat USC, you're in top 20. But because you lost that game and you have two losses, you're never getting in unless all of these garbage teams Lose and then it's like
2: we have no choice but to put you in.
4: So my only complaint is they finally get there, and the only reason they get there is because they didn't play a football game.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of random teams at the back end of the top 25 that lost this week. Like Cincinnati, nobody watched that game. They lost. Uh, South Carolina lost to Missouri, as you pointed out. Nobody watched that game. They fell. You had Kentucky near the back end of the top 25. We, people watched that. They got uh, absolutely murdered in that game. Um, Why is LSU suddenly getting all of this love like – I don't know. That's really, I, yeah, they're six about to get and two, drummed by Alabama. I would hammer that spread if we could gamble college football. I think it's 12 and a half or 13. Let me ask you this, though, to play the, the counter argument to this. And I see, every, look, I'm I'm in the bubble. So I see what you're saying. I just hate that this is
4: the only time I'm way watching they Oregon football love.
2: or Oregon State football. I, I get it. Yeah. The the, the, sad, the scary thing is for them, like you finally got there. It's a tough game for you on you Friday lose night. On Friday. You could lose Friday and yes. be out. And the ironic part is you could be out. To, I don't know if they're going to be in the playoff committee tomorrow. So if they're not in that committee, then they play Friday night. There won't be a number next to their name because that's that's the ranking that matters in college football. It doesn't matter if you're in the AP poll or the coaches poll. The the only argue, uh, counter argument I have to this, and I think Oregon State's a top 25 team, but looking at it from people ar- across the country, like what's their best win on the year?
4: Probably beating down Washington
2: State. Okay. That's a, that's a good win. It's not an amazing win. Washington State's four and four. But like your other wins are against Colorado. Yeah. Stanford, who is terrible. Barely, by the hairs of your chinny-chin-chin. Montana State. And Fresno State and Boise State, who have not been very good this year. Boise State's not bad. Boise State kind of turned it around. They have figured it out offensively a little bit. bit. They got got that kid back, the freshman, the tall runner. But I think a big part of Fresno State not being good was Hayner was out. So I mean, you got to be fair, but that that, that's the argument. It's like you don't really like you can say who is Kentucky beaten. Well, who is Oregon State beaten? But yeah, but the counterpoint
4: is like you're still making my point. Like these other programs get more love for not doing it, and Oregon State gets no love for not doing it. Welcome to the
2: Pac-12, my friend. This is how it works. Yeah, but it works (laughs) a little harder
4: against programs like Oregon State than it does even against. South Carolina. South Carolina beat a middle-of-the-road, bad yeah, Texas a team. And they're like, that was well, dumb. that's top 25 worthy. Really? It just really? means more. It just means more. means
2: more. I got nothing else to care about. Yeah, that's why they get in these rankings. That's what pisses me off. Well, the other part of it is, too, a lot of them cook the books in the, in the non-conference. They don't, play, they don't play anybody. They don't go on the road. And yeah. you, you boost up your schedule. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you've, you've played one real game. You lost that game, but you're 5-1. and one. So we're going to rank you number 17 in the country.
4: Look, I, I don't like the Huskies this week. It's a big week for Oregon State. I hope they can take care of business. I've mentioned this before. It is the worst place for Oregon State. Like, I don't know what the overall win-loss is against all the teams in the conference. It just feels like in my life they've never won in Seattle, okay? This is a spot they're not good in. But it's I, I'm really hoping they can win. Because they're not, they're not
2: going to get another look of love. They can still finish with a damn good season, by the way, even if they lose on Friday. I mean, they got Cal and ASU after that. I imagine they win both those games, and if you do, you'd be back in the top twenty. Yeah, and you'd have you
4: know you at least get Oregon opportunity coming to your stadium yeah. at the end of the year. So like, I'm excited for that. I just, I don't know. I don't. I was happy, and yet I also was a little upset. Like the only way they were going to get love, the whole system is stupid, was if they didn't play a yeah. football game because these other frauds get more love because. They're more hubbed in a centralized college
5: football world. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Weather well, in Seattle Friday yeah. in the forties, 90% oh. chance of rain wins yes. 15 <laughs> to 20 miles an hour. Good
4: luck. Pinnocks. <laughs>
5: Good gotta, luck running
4: the football Huskies. Yeah, You're going to build a dam. I'm just saying like, grab some sticks and build a dam. They're not a running team. Like no, that defense better be able to stop that Husky run. Cause if they can it's, it might be tough with those weather conditions for Pennix in that passing game to operate. I love bet it. Bet the under in that game, by the way.
2: I love it. The uh, The line was already out. It came out where Washington was favored by about a field goal for Friday night's game, yeah. and it has already been bet up to four and a half. I hope it gets to six. So it's going. It's there you going come. in yeah. that direction. A lot, I lot eat of money. Club money moving the line. <laughs> Get <laughs> it up. A lot of money coming in. I want to go to that game. On the Huskies. It's going to be a fun one Friday night. Now, it's dumb to play it Friday night, though. You know why? Why? Everybody's going to be watching Hawks and T-Birds on the CW I mean, why would you want to go head to head with that? Are you calling a game? Yeah, Friday night. You got to miss this game. I mean, I'm in a DVR. And I'll watch it when I get home. You should put it on your phone. <laughs> Just keep it down low. Andy, what'd you think of that check? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, great play! Uh, Touchdown! Wait, what? Wrong sport. I'm confused. So there you go. Um, I, I
4: want to see something to monitor for this week uh, on Friday. Chance Nolan. Yeah, I mean that's a looming story all week for the Beavs. Swag said he would rather have Go Branson start even if Chance Nolan can start. I push back on that. I'd rather have Chance Nolan. He's the better quarterback. And you know, I get it—the worry and concern of throwing picks. It's going to be awful weather. Run it's the, the sh- football. Yeah, play an ugly game. Run- win nine to six. <laughs> can you run it on every play? I'm hoping they can. <laughs>
2: I'm hoping they can. Well, more on is that Is Branson inspiring a lot of confidence in the passing game? I don't No, know. no, I don't think e- I don't think either of them inspire confidence. It's just a question of who gives you the better chance to win. And I, there's going to be debate on that all week, I'm sure. Oregon State, Washington, Friday. Congrats to the, the Beavs being back in the top 25 for the first time since 2013. They're having a good year. They deserve it. They should have been in there sooner. This breaks point, but college football is stupid, and nobody pays attention to the Pac-12 when you play all your games at 7.30 at night, Pacific time zone. Uh, let's get to, I'm going to get to a couple of the storylines out of the conference from this weekend, not that there. Was a ton. Let's put a bow on Pac-12 play, and then we'll get to general college football coming up top of the hour. We also have a TV deal out there, so there's a lot still to get to. Back after this on the.
3: I I
2: want to get to some uh, national college football storylines, including maybe the greatest defensive performance we've ever seen. That was pretty cool on Saturday. Uh, And then we got some broadcast television news out of the world of college football as well. It means the Pac-12 is going to be making a ton of money, (laughs) doesn't it? That's right, baby. That's what it means. Uh, let's get to the other notes out of the conference of champions though. So we talked about the ducks. They beat Cal. Not a lot there. They didn't play great early on. They woke up late. We talked about it to, to open the second hour of the show. Mm-hmm. Beavs did not play, but they're ranked in the top 25. And that's a cool storyline. Uh, how about Arizona? Darn near pulling an upset over USC. That game was wildly entertaining. I think I turned it off like three different times thinking you, <laughs> all right, that one's, I don't need to worry about that game anymore. And then I checked the score and be like, wait a minute. What? It's 38, 35 or whatever. Uh, Arizona put up four, 543 yards of total offense on USC's defense. There was a clock snafu at the end of the first half that potentially cost USC some points. Uh, USC fans are all crying foul and saying the conference is out to get them for getting yeah. the Oregon State game, which is hilarious. Uh, but what uh, USC, I, I don't really know what to make of. Like, Oregon is atop the Pac-12 standings right now at, at the only undefeated team in the conference. Who's the second-best team in the Pac-12? Is it UCLA? Is it USC? Does Utah deserve that designation? You know, I, I think it's a tough thing to gauge.
4: UCLA certainly has the pieces, despite what they did in Eugene over a week ago. They certainly have the pieces to be the second best team. They bounce back. I mean, I know it's Stanford, so it's not much, but they kicked the teeth in at Stanford. I mean, they showed up. Yeah. They showed up and they said, we're not, that game does not represent who we are. Now, that's not an excuse. That's just Oregon completely outplayed them. I'm still going to go USC if they're healthy. Oh, okay. And I, I, they're down a couple guys right now defensively and offensively. But if they get those guys back, man, every year that I thought UCLA was going to beat USC, they don't. And there's something about that rivalry where it tends to lean more USC. Maybe this is the year UCLA gets them. But Caleb is – I think Caleb is the best quarterback in this conference. He is uneffing
2: believable. He didn't have his best wide receiver this weekend. I know Arizona's defense is horrendous, but he went 31 of 45, 411 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> didn't Jerry Rice – Jerry Rice's
4: kid left early too, didn't he? Did he end up getting hurt I in that think game? You, I think he left like at the beginning of the first quarter wow. I, I saw in that game. They, they got themselves in a dogfight, and they've been in a few of them. And what have they done? Outside of Utah, and Utah's a damn good football team, they took care of it and got past Oregon State. They did it again this weekend – Their defense ain't perfect, so it's always going to leave teams with the ability to beat them.
2: But right now, I think I'd still say Oregon-USC. What's the over-under going to be in the USC-UCLA game? 73. How high does that number have to get for you to not want to think? I mean, I know that we can't bet it legally. 77. You gotta go to if you get up to 80. Feeling, I start start feeling really <laughs> uncomfortable. Like 77 <laughs> is a bit much, right? I just don't see how any, like, and I, you know, to be fair, I felt this way about Oregon-UCLA. The over did end up hitting, by the way, in that game. I, I felt like, this
4: way about Oregon State-USC.
2: Yeah, I just, that's true. So did I. I thought the offense was just going to steamroll up and down the field. Uh, and that obviously didn't end up happening, but that weekend in the conference is going to be the deciding weekend. It's November 19th, I to. So you got the USC-UCLA game, and then Utah and Oregon play each other. So uh, big matchups down the road in a couple of weeks. Some other big games, obviously, in the conference as well. but Who do you think the two best teams are? I, it, to me, I still have to give the designation to UCLA. Why? Because they have a win over Utah, and USC lost to Utah. There's a head-to-head common opponent there. And okay. Now, granted, UCLA got them at home. USC had to go on the road. Yeah. Very different circumstances. Yep. Uh, but that's what I have that to go off of. Also, USC, you know, say, they're incredibly talented and they might end up winning the whole, whole damn thing this year in terms of the Pac-12. There's a different feeling, though, of I feel like UCLA's covering a lot of their spreads. I feel like Oregon's covering a lot of their spreads. USC's done this now. Uh, they didn't cover against Oregon State on the road. They didn't cover against Arizona State at home. They didn't cover against Arizona, obviously, this weekend. Now, they did against Wazoo, but there's been a number of those games the last handful of they weeks. They didn't where cover
4: against Utah, obviously.
2: Obviously, didn't cover against yeah. Utah. Uh, or, no, did they? Weren't they an underdog in that game? Are they a three-point dog. I can't remember what the I name thought was. they were
4: three-point favorite. Were a three Am point I favorite? wrong? Maybe I I'm misremembering that
2: game. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, some of these some of these inferior teams are just kind of they're they're going through the motions and they're winning because their offense is so good. Yeah. And then I'm wondering when it comes time to actually needing to snap out of it and play good elite defense, do you have the ability to do so? Yeah. Can you get, can your defense get off the field in the fourth quarter against Dorian Thompson Robinson on the road and Charbonneau and Bobo? And then, and, but you, the, I know, you play them, it both you, ways. You play it the other way, You play too. it both can ways. You, a,
4: you can get them off the field, yeah.
2: So I just, it, I don't know. I, I would give the designation to, to UCLA for right now. But uh, USC survives on Saturday night. That was an inter- That was a fun, entertaining game, man. Arizona put up 37 points. That was a fun game. Good back and forth, a lot of offense. Because at that time, you had Michigan blowing out, Michigan State, and you had Tennessee just obliterating Kentucky. And it's like, well, what the hell else am I going to watch? And hey, there it was. The World Series game wasn't great. So that one kept me entertained for a bit. Let's get to a couple of the notes in college football, including another example of why. Why we need this. We have a television contract handed out in college football. What is, what do we feel about it as Pac-12 fans? We'll dive into that. Also, uh, how high is our overreaction meter to Shaden Sharp? Because Friday was damn fun. And I want to talk a little bit about him today uh, as well. It is a loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere during spring on 1080. The-
5: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?